guys, welcome back to Skincare Anarchy. This is Ekta, and I am super excited about our guest. She has a wealth of knowledge and has so much experience um, in the beauty industry. So, and I'm sure a lot of you might recognize her from uh, Real Housewives of New York City. Um, so without further ado, I wanna introduce you guys to Cindy Barshop, who is um, just a very, very successful uh, entrepreneur and so many other things. So welcome to the show, Cindy. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I just couldn't do your, uh, there's not enough words to do your intro. You have done so much. Oh, so much. <laughs> so, so, much. so much. I would love to get started um, by you really kind of uh, walking us through that journey and just, you know, everything that's led to now and all the great things you've done through your career. Sure. Um, I don't know if you remember, I used to have, I, st I always start my career with, um, something that affects my everyday life. So I make sure that I'm passionate about what I'm doing each day. So yeah. in the past, before that, I started out like everybody else. I worked at IBM. So that oh. was fun. <laughs> that wasn't <laughs> a lot of fun. But you know, what happened was you find something that you think that the world needs. So for me, at the beginning, it was laser hair removal. It just came out and I used to go around with unsightly ingrown hairs. And I heard about a new technology and I kind of just created a space where I would feel comfortable. And yeah. then, you know, now I just did the same thing again and I didn't even realize it with the V-Spot, the Women's Sexual Health Spa. Oh. After I gave birth um, to my kids, I had this common thing that everybody has after birth, which is, excuse me, urinary leakage. Yeah, no desire, no libido. And I was a single mom. And then I was helping out a friend. I sold my old company and I found out that there was a new technology for urinary incontinence and low libido. And yeah, go and behold, I researched, researched. And the first machine that came to the States, I tried it. It was a big placebo effect, I think. But the net of the whole thing, it worked. And then I just started seeing that there was not enough innovation for women's sexual health. Yeah, wait, so I'm confused. Like, there's a machine? Like, oh, yeah. for this? Okay, I didn't know anything about this. I, I want to know more about that. Um, what was the machine that you first saw? Well, the first one I saw was a Femilift, which is a CO2 laser, which okay. um, is for tightening the vaginal canal and for holding up the urine, <laughs> holding up the bladder. Everybody has it. As we age, it just gets thin. Yeah. And yeah. that's why one in four women have urinary leakage or 80% of women have difficulty orgasming the way they want to. Yeah. Uh, 109 million women have vaginal atrophy, which is dryness and painful sex. So there's all these things that yeah. are, there's new technology out there. So for example, you could sit on a chair and it does 11,000 Kegels for you in 28 minutes. You know, wow. every time it says Kegel, 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 well, it's impossible to Kegel away urinary leakage or tightening. So there's yeah. new technologies out there. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I want to learn more about that because honestly in medicine, like when they teach us about urinary incontinence, whether it's after pregnancy or for whatever reason, honestly, the first line treatment is Kegel exercises. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and like yeah. on all of the questions, it's like, you know, if they on the board questions, like, what would you do or recommend Kegel exercise? I'm sitting here thinking like, well, I don't think that works for a lot of women. So that's very it interesting. Doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. it's, you know, it's, it's, a t it's a concept of exercising the muscles that hold up the bladder. And that's yeah. great if you were able to do it yourself. 
but there's very, very, very few women that have strong pelvic floor muscles. Right. Well, I want to, I want to take the, the journey back though. I want to talk about um, when you first founded, um, you know, completely bare Medispa in 1984, I want to go back to all that and, and walk through that journey. <laughs> I know that was extremely successful. It was an extremely successful uh, business and I would love to learn all about that. Sure. Um, yes, it was very successful. We had places across the country. We had products in, you know, 30,000 stores internationally. Um, but the truth of the whole matter is I took my eye off the prize there. So, um, this is something that, you know, hopefully your listeners could learn from, um, the company grew and I just said, Oh, this is, you know, I, I can't handle this. I'm not sure if I could handle this or I had too much going on or whatever the case was. And I had somebody come in and, you know, the Harvard graduate. And I was like, oh, he must be smarter. He must be this. He must be that. And the truth is, you know, he didn't do anything positive for my company. I lost most of my company too, because I believed in somebody else's vision. So the concept here is to kind of just believe in yourself as you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's very, that's, I mean, you know, it's a huge learning experience, but you know, that must have really sucked to watch what you've built, you know? <laughs> right, but I'm doing it again. And you wanna know something? I probably never would have done it. That's the other thing also is that all these change or negative things that you happen really kind of just brings you to another level. I mean, we are really helping women across the country. We have products now that help women who could never orgasm, they could orgasm now. And I know like people snick and smile, but if you thought about it as a man, if a man wasn't able to orgasm, yeah. I mean, it would be like front page news that they found. Like well, we would be at war all the time. Like <laughs> this world would never, you know, not that we know too much peace as it is, but it would be even worse. You know, it, it would be terrible. So, yeah, I, I hear you. And I think it's also very important to point out that we shouldn't have to explain why that is an important thing in women's health. You know, being able to naturally orgasm and to be able to have these like normal physiological responses occur in our bodies. It's like it's needs to become a norm to talk about this stuff. So I love, I love that right. you're bringing this up and I love that you've been doing this from the beginning and really pioneered this space. So um, that's amazing. Yeah, no, and I appreciate like kind of a podcast like yourself that are able to talk about it because everybody wants a hush hush. I mean, I know the media from every big magazine and a lot of times, you know, it's pushed away. Oh, we can't talk about sex. We can't talk about women's orgasms. We can't talk about that. But, yeah. you know, yeah. I'm putting together, it's interesting, <coughs> excuse me, a commercial right now. And mm -hmm. it starts off with go, it's our right as women to desire pleasure or have pleasure as humans. Yeah. And that's yeah. the whole thing that it's our right and we deserve it. Well, absolutely. And I think, you know, um, when, just when it comes to the point of the media coverage that you brought up, I think that's a very, um, you know, it's a hot point to discuss because, we have more media coverage about, you know, young African women who are getting, you know, their like genitals mutilated. We know more about that as a society and that are aware of that than we are about our own normal women's health. Mm -hmm. Like that's, you know, I know it's an extreme example, yeah, but well, like at the end of the day, I get, I got the point there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's like, it's like when women's health comes up, why is it some like, you know, traumatic experience that we're talking about? You know what I mean? So that's, that was my point, but, um, yeah, no, I got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I, 
no, I want to, I want to move on and I want to talk about, um, you know, just, so now you're, um, you know, you're really fully immer- immersed in V-Spot, right? So I want to learn about that and what, you know, the real, um, I guess, you know, the journey of that, how you, sure. you know, created that. So, um, you know, I kind of touched upon it before there was a need for myself now to kind of get it to the whole nother level. You know, I was a single woman with two kids, right? Yeah just gave birth and I had no sexual desire, zero. And I always just thought, you know, it's the whole thing, you know, it's woman, you're tired, you're this, you're that, you know, it just changes after you have a baby. (laughs) But the truth is that there's physical changes. And that's what I felt was, I didn't even know. I just thought it was the norm because all of us go around um, brainwashed that it's normal not to orgasm. It's normal to pee in your pants. It's normal not to love the sex. It's normal that the libido goes away. It's not normal. And Mm. we should stop suffering in silence. And that was the kind of the premise of opening up the V spot is for a place that women could go and they could hear, just like you were saying yourself in the medical field, they say, oh, tell them to Kegel or get them a dildo. So there's just an untapped market, but there's an untapped need that women need to be able to enjoy intimacy. And that's really what it is. And that's kind of the whole premise of the V-Spot. It's a safe place. We have every technology available um, to effectively and non-invasively, all natural kind of treat these things that we just suffer with. Yeah, yeah. The whole premise of the V-Spot. I mean, you know, that I love that. And honestly, one thing that comes to mind for me um, from the medical perspective is that, you know, gynecological care is extremely, um, I don't want to say difficult to kind of, you know, obtain these days, but it is. I mean, every good gynecologist has a waiting list for six months, you know, and if you're experiencing symptoms like urinary incontinence and you have no one to go to because the medical practitioners are just overwhelmed. I mean, you know, there has to be a option, you know, other options. There has to be a place you can go and feel safe. And I, I mean, I'm not saying that, you know what I mean? Like, it, no, it I absolutely, you know, what you're saying and, you know, I'm like, I'm a statistic person because I'm in the field and the whole thing that, yeah. I, and I don't know exactly the number right now, but there's a shortage of gynecologists in the country. There's yeah. like, we're like short, like 7,000 just to be like somewhat safe. And that's why the gut, and, you know, I can't blame them. The more research I've done is, you know, it's a factory. You go in, you do that, you do your pat, you do this, you get out. They don't have time and it's not their fault. They don't have time for it to really talk about their, their sexual needs or their orgasms or their this. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's the shame of the whole, you know, medical community. Not, well, yeah, and it's, it's not the medical community. Of- I'm talking about more like, the, you know, the way the agencies work. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. And also, you know, I want to, I want to bring up this point. And I want your opinion on it is that, you know, when it comes to just women's health, I think, you know, a lot of the world looks to the West, right. For in terms of like mm-hmm. trend setting and what's okay to talk about and what's, you know, what, what are the topics we can bring up now because the West has done it. So when I think about women's health, I'm not just thinking about women in America or, you know, Canada, where I'm thinking women in India 
or China or, oh, you know, absolutely. or uh, the Middle East that don't even have the like the, the common right to say the word vagina or say the word, you know, my, you know, I'm, I'm leaking fluid right. or I'm, you know, they can't even talk about these things. So it's not just a responsibility, I think, on the West part that we need to make it more accessible for women here, but you have to set an example so that women feel comfortable in the world saying, hey, I have issues too, you know? And, right. and, that, and it and trickles yeah. down to everything. It like the workplace, the way you feel about yourself, everything. Do you want to hear the craziest thing? And I wish I knew yeah. the date. Do you know that on when I when I say you know agencies and things like that? Do you know that the met it wasn't it's not the medical community. It's kind of how they kind of approve drugs, and it's like that's why I'm saying it's like agencies and government things that. Yeah. Most medications up until, I don't know, it's five years ago when they're tested, whether it be a heart medication, any type of medication was only yes. tested on men, never women, never women. The law wow. just changed. So when you want to get something FDA approved, it used to just be, forget about women's like intimate health. It's just their health in general is unserved yeah. too. Well, no, that makes sense because now, you know, and even in medical literature, you know, it's a very recent concept of introducing things like, well, you know, even things like diabetes, you know, the percentage of women versus men, you know, that are at risk, are women at more risk for autoimmune diseases? Like that statistic, for example, just came out in the last decade. So yeah, you're absolutely, absolutely right. You know, Here's something crazy hmm. um, about, I think it was 18 years ago, 19 years ago, the first FDA approved drug for men's, you know, orgasms or inability to orgasm or sexual dysfunction, let's put it that way, sexual dysfunction, that's what they call it, yeah. was Viagra, right? Yeah. yeah. Since then, there has been like, you know, a plethora of other types of Viagra that were out. About four years ago, the first women's, um, what they quoted was a Viagra to enhance women's orgasms, okay? Mm -hmm. They called it the pink pill, the Viagra is the blue pill. You know what, um, you know what the Addy is? It's a form of an antidepressant. What? Yeah. So you really get mad? Yeah. What else? <laughs> I'm like nervous right now. The beast god <laughs> says, yes, sometimes it could be in your head, but really a lot of this stuff is the physical changes that women go through and we could fix it. But yeah, yeah. could you imagine those stats? Oh, oh my God. God. Wow. You know, and I'm just, I'm sitting here thinking that, you know, the, before you even said that, I was like, do we even know what like molecularly is going on in women that is causing like, you know what I mean? Like uh, the inability to, you know, have an orgasm or then yeah, whatever it is, you don't even know. Basic physical things. Sometimes the hood's too heavy and they just need to pull it back. I mean, we have that here. Sometimes the tissue is not as vascular as it should be. And they have to put a serum on it. It's simple things. It's like getting a headache. How do I fix this stuff? Right. But there right. are to help. I'm not saying there, there are extreme cases and everything like that. We're not the hundred percent solution, but to the basic sexual health that you deserve, the basic pleasures of having intimacy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think that's a wonderful thing. And I think what you're doing again, like I said, it's, it's truly, you know, you're pioneering an area that needs, you know, a lot more attention and needs a lot more traffic that, you know, and a lot more conversation around it. Yes. Um, I, I do have a question for you though, because I think, you know, on the topic of people with a platform, you know, you're yourself, like when I think about like celebrities or people that are very well known, um, I want to know what you think about people that just don't disclose 
what they're, you know, like celebrities that don't tell you like what they're really doing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you hear about like something and you're like, oh, I want to look like so-and-so, but then they're not even telling their viewers like what they're using or what they're doing, whether it's their health or whether it's, you know, skincare. How do you feel about all that? Well, you know what? I think like with, I'm more of I'm a very black and white person. So yeah. I get frustrated with fluff you know, yeah. like skincare, the fluff products out there, um, you know, and this whole concept now that everybody's about, and this is against like, everybody's going to go wild, you know, um, the products that are only plant-based for your yeah. skin, for things like that. Yes. Conceptually, that sounds great, but does it work? Is it no. things? I'm not saying put an acid on your face, but conceptually it's like fluff. Like, okay, um, there CBD, CBD, you know, there's an arousal cream with CBD, but really like yeah. who says that CBD helps vascularity? Our no product. one has any idea what CBD actually does. Like, let's be honest here. Like, I like C <laughs> like I think everyone enjoys the idea that you know CBD has certain benefits. Like, what for is, example, like I'll tell you, you know, laws because there's a place down the street now on Lexington Avenue that sells marijuana. Yeah, it, it, it's that's legal. So you're allowed to walk down the street. Like, I don't know what the law is. Yeah, I mean, a lot of states it's being legalized, but it, I mean, I mean, that's the whole allure of CBD, I feel like, too, though. I mean, you know, CBD blew up because marijuana is not fully legal, right? So, mm -hmm. like, you you introduce CBD, I mean, it was a big marketing thing, but I mean, not to take away from products that are actually, you know, working really well. They do use CBD for certain things, and yeah, it works with anti-inflammatory, you know what I mean, pathways and stuff, that's there, but when you take one ingredient and oversaturate a market and then, yeah. you know, you say that it worked, that one ingredient is the like solution to all of life's problems, you know, <laughs> it's that's, that's like, all marketing and fluff. That's what yeah. it is. But that's yeah. every year with skincare and things like that. Yeah. That's why I look so, at, and look at clinical studies, make sure they have, you know, a placebo study with it. That's what I look at when I look at products. So how do you feel right now about the way the, the market's going? Because I'm seeing a lot of like menopause brands pop up. I'm mm -hmm. seeing a lot of like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I love that we're doing this, but like, how do you feel about like topical menopause products? Like instead of like, you know, going to something like V-Spot where you're getting like, you know, like customized care, right? So what are, like, how do you um, see that fitting in? So what I think is that there, you know, there's different severities of all different things like when you say the menopause you know mm -hmm. um some women are very few just have like hot flashes things like that and i think that there are some types of vitamins that they can take but when they go to the website they should look at that they did clinical studies that's like the whole thing you know yeah. instead of them saying you know 50 people said it was great but um there's you know the vitamins and then there's the physical which we take care of here at the V spot. Right. No, no. Yeah. I mean, that, I, I hear you. I just think it's a, it's a great thing that we're doing, I think in the industry, like we're introducing a concept, but I'm just curious, like, you know, because at the end of the day, it is gynecological health and you know, how much can we really do over the counter versus, you know, for example, you, you have a team of gynecologists, right. That, that are well vetted and, you know, they're yeah, experts really. in their field. So like, there's a difference between that and going to like, a, you know, just buying like a menopause cream, but I don't know. It does what? <laughs> like, right. Yeah. So like yeah. 
we have a menopause um, suppository for dryness because when you go to menopause, what happens is the vaginal lining gets thinner and it gets dry and sex is painful. So what the gynecologists say is put a lubricant on there. Well, that's not really helping. Or they say an estrogen cream, which yeah. everybody's afraid of because of hormones. Mm-hmm. I have a product, it's called Good Sex. And I'm, you know, I'm making light of it now, but it basically outperforms estrogen cream. And oh, wow. nobody knows about this stuff. I'm telling you because you have to have the big farms back you with this, everything. Yeah, yeah. No, I, that's really interesting. What is it? Like, what is the product? Um, it's actually, it's called Good Sex. It's a suppository. And okay. it basically outperforms the, um, forget about the over-the-counter lubricants, but not does it outperform, it actually changes the tissue inside the vaginal canal, increasing the collagen. So you can have, you could go from painful sex to not painful sex because right. you're changing the tissue just like we do for our faces. Right. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense because mostly the vaginal thinning is because of vaginal atrophy and like loss of collagen. That makes total sense. That's, I mean, that's awesome. And yeah, you're right. I mean, if it's not going to be, see, I, I make this point a lot about skincare. I mean, go, coming back to skincare, um, because I think there's a lot of doctors out there. There's a lot of people that want to say yes or no. You know what I mean? And it's like the research has not been touched on yet. There is this middle ground where it's like, you know, um, there are other things that can be utilized, but we won't know that if we don't have this like open-minded approach, right? It's like, for example, what you just explained, you know, another option that works better. I would love to see a researcher get on that and then be like, let me get you the literature. You know what I mean? The molecular pathways that are being altered, like that kind of backing, you know? And I just don't see that um, in the beauty industry. Yeah. There's nothing like that. There's really not. And there needs to be more of it. We have to raise our standards, I'd say. So what are some of the like hurdles that you had to go through with V, like getting V-spot where you wanted it? I mean, did you have to yeah. face anything? There's a lot. There's a yeah. lot. Go back to the, uh, the V-bitching, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, um, you know, like what's, how do you tell people about the, you know, the V-spot now? Like, how do I get it out there? You know, social media, but social media blocks all women's intimate health, sexual health. Like I can't post like, breasts almost in a V like a low cut because my system is flagged because I'm sexual. Oh, wow. So there was a lot of obstacles kind of getting the name out there, but, you know, slowly, I think that women are just searching, you know, there's that handful of women that are kind of the go-getters and they, you know, are searching for it. And they, this is kind of what happened with completely bare. It's usually people that really take care of themselves and are empowered, they start coming in. And then they start telling their friends about it and it starts getting a little bit more viral. And then other women start looking, looking it up. So I think that's what it, you know, it's slow, you know, we're nowhere near where it's going to be in five years from now. It'll be like, like we'll have these spots on every corner. Yeah. It's till we get there. It's complete white space right now. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, you know, just having this conversation alone, I think is, you know, leaps and bounds ahead of a lot of the way a lot of people think about women's health. So, you know, I, I wish you nothing but the best with this, because I think we really, we, we need these services. I mean, women all over the world need these services and the more we talk about it, the easier it's going to get to like normalize, you know? So 
I agree. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much, Cindy. This has been awesome. And I hope that everyone listening, you guys go check out Respot. You know, I'm going to post all the details and tag all the tags, but um, leave us any comments or questions. I'd love to have Cindy back and maybe we can do a Q&A or something. Like fun. I would love it. I mean, I just like talking about this. I enjoy other women talking about it. And, you know, it really is. It makes you feel good about yourself. Yeah, I totally agree. So yeah, thank you guys so much for listening and I will be back next time. Okay, bye-bye.